Hello and welcome back to the With Me podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and you know just coming again to this podcast episode that is going to be fantastic. At least I think so. <laughs> but before actually we start, it is early in the morning. Early for me is like around 10 a.m. Considering I woke up at eight something and I've been in bed for a while and just chilling. I thought I would talk to you guys first thing in the morning with my nice hoarse morning voice. (laughs) But what happened is actually I got a phone call and yeah, so the voice is gone. But I'm still feeling a bit hoarse considering the fact that I am still in my morning blues or whatever people call it. I don't know. I'm still a bit tired. Location wise, I am in my apartment or my house. Uh, where I stay when I'm in school because schools are reopening at least physical classes for that matter they're we're restarting so that we can finish our semester I have a cup of black tea with me so that I can get rid of this hoarseness or maybe I just sound like this all the time and I'm just trying to justify the fact that it's morning I don't know (laughs) yeah so to paint a picture I am facing my pink wall at my desk in school in this very echoey room with an insanely high ceiling. I don't know what they were thinking, but it's so unproportional in terms of the square footage and then the height. It's just, it's scary. But um, I just have to do with what I have, right? I'm also in my PJs, <laughs> definitely, because it's early in the morning. Very comfortable with them. At least I'm not in jeans and, you know, just tight clothing. Because that would have just messed up everything for me. Looking around me and noticing how empty my house is. And how noisy the fridge is. Because it keeps going on and off. Trying to readjust itself to the fact that I have not been here for a while. So if you hear that as well as a background noise or accompaniment. Just take it as that. As a way (laughs) of just surviving through this whole new environment. And trying to readjust myself to it as well. Um... I'm glad that I came yesterday and my body is actually very sore from moving things and trying to rearrange the place to the way I like it, to the way I prefer my room looking like. I think I am also tired from the fact that I have changed beds. So having a different pillow and mattress after many months of staying at home has caused me a lot of back and neck pain as well. So at this point, I'm very uncomfortable (laughs) with myself in terms of body aches. I also had a headache last night, considering the fact that I was very, very bit. I wanted to do this yesterday night. I wanted to record. I was feeling nice and fantastic. There were no vehicles around, so it was quiet and... Then it began to rain, so it was like setting a mood. I had my fairy lights on. Yeah, then I was just tired. <laughs> I just got so tired that I thought about it and I, I decided to shoot in the morning. No, shoot, record in the morning. Simply because of the fact that I wouldn't be in the best mental state. I would just start blubbing out whatever I wanted. I know right now I'm also just blubbing out <laughs> whatever I want. But I guess that's what makes this the with me where I'm just being myself yeah I'm just being real and trying to record what I feel is comfortable to me yeah so if you hear anything in the background especially a humming sound that's probably the fridge trying to readjust itself 
after several months of just being off and uh, and sad. So yeah, that's about me. How are you guys doing? How is life? I would like to know how, or rather just ask yourself how you're doing, you know, a genuine, not I'm okay, uh, a genuine response to it. Not, um, not the typical I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm good kind of response. Um, go for a more in-depth therapy-like session questioning of yourself to ask yourself how you're doing, to know where, which kind of mental state you're in, how you're physically doing as well. And also ask people around you how they're doing and how they're faring. The typical part of this question is normally, you know, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm good at least for me. So I've been asking myself a question of, are you really okay? Are you really doing good? Are you healthy? Are you happy? Are the people around you happy with you? And are they happy for themselves? Do you really question and wait for a legitimate answer? Or you're just like, oh, they're, they're good. They're fine. Like they're healthy. They're dapper. Is it a genuine question of, is your mind at ease? Is your well-being is your well-being no okay fine yeah is your well-being good (laughs) are you okay are you really okay the issue i'm having right now especially as time goes by as i age as i you know bloom is i realize that i've had so many conversations that were irrelevant you know irrelevant in the sense that they didn't add value to the emotional person that I am or to someone else, um, to my psyche. I don't know. <laughs> English English came with uh, by the waters, so I can't really say uh, the right word. But I mean, most of the time we have conversations, you know, building around things that are not really personal. It's not that you'll go and have a conversation like this with everybody because humans are very judgmental and they can come off as people that will not really understand your situation. So you don't go to everybody, of course, where you're trying to be as open as possible or as free with everyone. That will never happen. I mean, not everyone deserves that, first of all. And maybe your character doesn't even show that. Like for me, it's very hard for me to even talk to people about what I'm feeling. But what I'm trying to say is, at least when you're having conversations with people, whether it be around, you know, politics or school or shoes, or shopping, or whatever other, you know, mundane things we talk about, or great things, for lack of a better word, sometimes you also need to just go and ask, you know, are you good? Because time is so fleeting, and people are not here forever, you know. Sometimes that one question may really help someone's day, may help someone's life in general, um, trying to be sensitive to them and trying to, you know, converse with them and ask them, are you really good? I don't know. I don't know what that blabbing was about. Yeah, so I hope you're good and I hope you're happy. And if any, if and oh my God. And even if you're not, talk to somebody, search within yourself and ask yourself why you are not feeling the best. I personally talk to myself a lot. I have constant, you know, just psychological or psychology therapy sessions with myself, trying to understand why I'm feeling a certain way and stuff like that. Because sometimes you feel like you can't really talk to people. I'm not saying that I don't have amazing people around me. I just think I'm a bit closed in that sense. 
find a way that works for you in terms of dealing with your mind, um, dealing with the kind of emotions you're going through and things that are kind of bothering you. What's bothering you, baby? Find out, find out, and then deal with it in a specific way. So if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, at least within the last five episodes, I guess, you must have realized that I read a book called The Power Focus, which was amazing. It was it was a good read. I did not finish it. I've not I've not I've not finished it yet. I'm still in the process of perusing through the pages and trying to see, you know, trying to pick gems here and there of information. But right now I have a book in front of me and I'm pretty excited about it. I randomly picked it up yesterday actually in the house. I don't know, the cover was just pretty enticing and the name itself was pretty enticing. So I was like, this is the one, this is the one I'm going with. This is the one I'm going to be reading to you guys. I have not even had a chance of, you know, reading a proper two pages with this book, but I think it's going to be an amazing read. It's called High Maintenance Relationships, How to Handle Impossible People by Les Orley, I don't know, Les Parot the third <laughs> phd um I'm, I'm assuming he's a doctor by saying phd right and then the name is leparo the third or lesparot the third i don't know i keep butchering everybody's names simply because honestly <laughs> i don't really know how to how do you pronounce your names how do you pronounce hard names especially these foreign ones without butchering them i think it's next to impossible you you might just go wrong somewhere yeah so <laughs> Let's go to the front page. So the front page is actually a picture of several people doing several things. I honestly think the only way I can describe it or the only way you can really understand what I'm describing is by going to the internet and maybe looking for the cover page. So on the front page, of course, is the title, High Maintenance Relationships. Then it has the smaller part, which is how to handle impossible people. Then the author's name. Then now we have a picture, and then the picture has several people stacked upon each other. There's the, ooh, that car has done the thing, yeah? Um, there's a cold shoulder, the critique, the green-eyed monster, the flirt, the workhorse, the control freak, and the martyr. And I'm guessing this is just a few of them. So now when I open the contents page is where now you get into the interesting, the juice, the, the sauce of this book. So it has 17 chapters and this is not a book review, guys. I'm just trying to give you an, okay, maybe it is a book review. Let's call it a big book review uh, without even reading the book yet. Uh, <laughs> it is 17 chapters and 200 and something, 230 pages of content specifically. And then there's the end notes and the author about the author. So the first one is, are you in a high maintenance relationship? And then from the second chapter, we talk about the different types of relationships or different types of people. There's a critique, the matter had, as I'd mentioned before, the wet blanket, the steam roller, the gossip, the control freak, the backstabber, the cold shoulder, the green eyed monster, and so on. So what actually caught my attention when it came to this book is first of all the relationship part, definitely. Oh, because guys, I could say that I have 
a history in bad relationships with people, friendships, and so on, simply because I have not learned how to maintain them. And so when they asked, are you in a high maintenance relationship? Maybe this could go to the person who has ever been in a friendship with me and am I the high maintenance person <laughs> that they need to deal with? I don't know. I'm kind of trolling myself or trying to be harsh on myself, but it's true. I know that I'm a bit of hard-headed person. So when it comes to the people who are described in these specific chapters, I feel like I kind of relate to a few of them. There is the, the critique. The critique is constantly complains and gives unwanted advice. Well, um, I guess I was wrong. I think my meaning of critique is a bit off. No, I don't think I'm that kind of person. I was also thinking um, the control freak, unable to let go and let be. I think definitely I like things being in a specific way. And maybe someone can deny, especially if you know me personally, maybe it's a bit of a 50-50. But I do believe I have control freak tendencies in me. Then I also have the cold shoulder, disengage, eh, oh wow, disengages and avoids contact. Sometimes I really do put myself in a cocoon and I'm kind of like a hermit to some extent. The cold shoulder kind of describes me. And then, let's see, <laughs> I can't see any other one. Maybe the chameleon. The chameleon eager to please and avoids conflict. Maybe I have a bit of that in me, 50-50. I really do avoid conflict. I don't like arguing. I just don't engage in that kind of stuff. I really don't like to argue. <laughs> I have, avoid conflict. And if eager to please. Um, yeah, sometimes I feel like I need to please somebody or please people. And that can take away from my own joy. Yeah, so I'll just say that I kind of agree with being the critique, the control freak, the cold shoulder, and the chameleon. So I relate to four. And if you get your hand on this book, whether it is a paperback or you get it online, please tell me or ask yourself or just find out which category here you fit into because I feel like they have done a good job in trying to find the negative spaces that some of us may occupy without even knowing. So I'm just going to read for you the three, the first three paragraphs of this book and just a small excerpt that is underlined because I really like it. So if you're like me, the author says, if you're like me, you never thought that maintaining relationships would be hard work. As a kid, it never occurred to me to work on any of my relationships. They just happened. And if for any reason they didn't, I jumped ship. No fuss, no bother. But somewhere along the line, I entered the fray of mature relationships and things got dicey. I learned that some people were more difficult, if not impossible, to get along with. I learned, for example, that trusted friends could betray me, authority figures I admired could snub me, a colleague's constant criticism could hurt me, and even family members with important information could leave me out of the loop. But I also learned that, unless I wanted to be a hermit, aka me... Um, I couldn't abandon every relationship that hit a snag. The temptation to run away from difficult relationships is still there. When impossible people get me down, I sometimes wish I were Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe. I think you've watched, if, you've, if you know what I'm talking about, it's a movie or... Is it a movie? Yes, it's a movie and a book, I believe so. Living alone on a desert island away from difficult people would be paradise. But Defoe's other writings snap me back to reality. 
though I don't like the crew, he wrote, I won't sink the ship. In fact, in time of storm, I'll do my best to save it. You see, we are all in this craft and must sink or swim together. That was amazing for the first few paragraphs of the first three, actually, of this book. It's actually very enticing. And the part that is underlined, because someone read this before me, it says, it turns out that job satisfaction depends more on our relationships than our salaries. Relationships make the difference between the job we love and the job we loathe. Wow. Um, and then it goes further to say somewhere down the line, if relationships make us so happy, why do so many of our relationships make life so difficult? And more importantly, what can we do to keep our cool, stand our ground, and reach positive solutions when we find ourselves in high-maintenance relationships face-to-face with impossible people? This book is my answer to that question. Ooh, I'm so excited. Wow. Okay, okay. I think this is good. I may learn a lot considering how hard it is for me to maintain relationships and the fact that I have been the negative space that someone doesn't want around them. <laughs> I think it's very mature of me to actually maintain that. I mean, to, to actually admit that, right? To admit that I've been toxic. I feel like it's a level of maturity. I have been toxic to some extent to some people. And so I'm really happy. I'm really happy that I can also learn areas where I have been annoying or for lack of a better word, irritating to specific people or just a horrible friend. So I'm really excited for this read. So today I actually wanted to go through the one that I feel is more me than any other here, and that's a control freak. Um, so I'm just going to go there. I hope you guys are actually enjoying this. I am. <laughs> and if you guys like when I read a book or when I do a book review, please let me know. Or if you don't, let me know as well so I can stop this. <laughs> but no, I guess this is what I like doing. So the control freak is unable to let go and let be. And the drawing that they have had here or they have put here is some guy with like multiple hands trying to point at everything everyone else is doing and trying to make them do what they want. Then, of course, the author gives a bit of an excerpt of his life story of him and his wife and stuff like that. So I won't read that. And uh, that's that's something that I believe specific people who are going to touch the book should uh, go through on their own. So right off the bat, just after that excerpt, there's the anatomy of a control freak. And I'm just like, hold up, hold up. Control freaks have actually an anatomy? What, what are you trying to say? And so there are definitely subtitles to this or just smaller parts. This is it. Control freaks are the ones in control or desperately trying to be Control freaks have these traits in common. Obnoxious, tenacious, invasive, obsessive, perfectionistic, critical, irritable, demanding, and rigid. Wow. Okay, so I'm just going to go through a few of them. So there's obnoxious. Right off the top, control freaks can be characterized as offensive. The term obnoxious comes from a Latin word meaning to harm. And control freaks certainly do that. They injure most relationships with their controlling and pernicious ways. The second one is obsessive. Control freaks can become obsessed with pursuing certain issues. I can kind of relate to that. (laughs) 
For example, control freaks may become dogged about a suspicion that something is going wrong in a relationship or that they may get less than a stunning job performance review. It is a kind of obsession that causes them to lose perspective on everything else. The other one is critical. When people are consumed by the need to control their world, they become critical. Control freaks can't seem to bite their tongue when they see something go wrong. They blurt out their critique, thinking it will correct the problem. Of course, it rarely does, but this doesn't keep them from trying to control through criticism. As I mentioned earlier, I think I'm also in the critique category and kind of ties down to the control freak category. And I'm just like, wow. And the last one I'm going to read for you guys is irritable. When control freaks don't get their way, they become irritable. They do not seem to have the ability to go with the flow. When they encounter opposition, no matter how logical, they sulk, become critical again, and resort to self-centeredness. Little things will touch off their anger. A messy top on a bottle of mustard, a car that is parked on the wrong side of the driveway, a flashlight not put where it is supposed to be, and on and on. Anything and everything is fair game for irritable control freaks. This is kind of accurate. It kind of seems that the control freak also has a bit of organization obsession, right? Just likes having things in a specific place, specific way. There's no way of convincing this person that this can be put in a different way. It's just how it's supposed to be. It's how it's supposed to be. Then they're also rigid and on and on. Of course, I don't read all of them so that you can grab yourself a copy of this book. I feel like it's a right-on, spot-on control freak characteristics. Then they go on and ask you, do you know a control freak? Yeah, myself. (laughs) Ah. So the point of you asking yourself this and having this book with you, it's like a self-help book. I don't know. No, self-help is not something I would actually put my hands on. It's a book that will generally enlighten your mind and help you understand your relationships so i guess it's self-help right anyway i didn't know i would ever read such kind of books in my life but this one's pretty interesting it's pretty well done the stories are really nice understanding control freaks is the next part of this chapter and i personally feel that this would be better to be read by someone who has a book so control freaks fear losing control altogether Definitely, definitely. And I think life has taught us that you can't be in control of everything. You can't even be in control of a lot, honestly. Very little stuff you can control. I think the one thing you have is choice. But control, maybe not really. Then it also goes ahead to say that controlling too much creates as much stress as feeling that you have no control at all. So that's interesting considering... You'd feel that you are in a better place when you are controlling everything. And I can talk in a more personal perspective where I have cleaned up a space because that's one thing I really like doing. And I think that it's okay. And then, I don't know, someone just comes and disarranges it. And I feel even worse. And then I try to tell them that they put it back in the specific place that I wanted it. And then they refuse. And then I go even crazier and do it again and then again it becomes a cycle and I kind of feel like that's what they're talking about I'm not sure if I have hit the nail on the head but yeah so having control sometimes 
can create a lot of stress or trying to be a control controlling person and i feel like that's why i end up being a hermit or a person who likes my space because now that way i can control my environment you know i can just live in a very controlled environment where everything is exactly where i like it to be then we definitely have the last thing that he says sometimes in the attempt to control everything even the weather imagine control freaks lose control of themselves without warning crazy right that you can actually lose yourself in the process of trying to control everything wow that's crazy i think i need to work on myself <laughs> i feel like this is my therapy session and i'm being told child you need to change the last part is control freaks are driven by feelings of extreme vulnerability and low self esteem they're not nearly as self assured as they appear terrified of being criticized rejected or exposed in a way they try to protect themselves by staying in control of every aspect of their lives oh my word this is just too much <laughs> okay i kind of agree with some of them and i kind of don't agree with some of them feelings of extreme low self esteem not really kind of <laughs> the extreme vulnerability part maybe to some extent because sometimes you feel like you're not the strongest in a specific setup and so the only way you can bring yourself to a place where you feel that you are stronger is by taking control of things so maybe maybe kinda mm, kinda hitting the head on the, the the nail on the head so coping with control freaks nearly everyone knows control freaks but not everyone knows how to handle them I agree not everyone knows how to handle me hello uh whether your control freaks are at the office or in the home you need to know that it is possible to diffuse a control attack okay so it's an attack okay cool i didn't know that <laughs> face the control freak within in contrast to the control freaks in your life you may feel that you could not even begin to find any controlling tendencies in yourself but think about it aren't you just a little controlling at times Don't you sometimes become irritable if things aren't done just the way you want them? Yes, and yes. Don't you ever become a little rigid or demanding? Definitely. I'm not even denying the fact that I'm a control freak. Let's just move on. Are you never perfectionistic? I am a lot. Maybe you don't have any of these annoying tendencies, but most of us, if we take an honest look, we'll discover that we have at least some controlling tendencies from time to time. I think it depends on where you are. Some people are more controlling in the office, in their homes, in the kitchen, or oh, in the kitchen definitely for me. Yeah, so I guess that makes sense. Of course, this doesn't classify you as a certifiable control freak, but it will help you feel a bit more empathy for the control freaks in your life. Yeah, so don't look at the speck in someone else's eye when you have a whole log. Friend, <laughs> is what they're trying to say here don't take it personally it's a second way of coping with control freaks remember that in most cases control freaks are trying to protect themselves they're not trying to hurt you don't feel responsible or try to make things better when they get upset wow accusing them of being controlling will only make them more fearful and controlling instead try explaining to them how the behavior makes you feel so instead of trying to judge these people who are trying to tell you do this and do that because it could be someone as high 
as a boss, which kind of makes it difficult, or a lecturer, or a parent more so. It could make it harder for you to communicate with them. And so taking it personally is actually hurting yourself more. So the idea is to confront them, not in a difficult way. Just tell them that this doesn't make you feel well. I've actually realized from my sister that telling someone head-on that something doesn't make you comfortable is the best way of having peace of mind and of heart. And just straight on telling them that you're not happy with you know what they're doing or what they're saying can make you feel so much better within such a short span of time. It's crazy. The third one is go with the control. The same principle may apply to you. By cooperating with the control freak's need to be in control, you can help them calm down and be less controlling. Control freaks can attempt to control only so much. If they have more confidence in you because you have stayed calm and can work with their input, they may begin to let up on you. So like a reverse psychology kind of thing where since you can't beat them, kind of join them, but not really join them. It's kind of like a psychological attempt to make them trust you and be more calm. And the calmer someone is in their controlling tendencies, trust me, from personal experience, it gets almost 90 or 100% easier for the person to be less controlling. The more stubborn you are, oh my word, this person will become 10 times worse. So the different ways of dealing with these people, I've read three for you guys. I don't want to spoil the book completely, but I think it's an amazing read. And I guess you've learned something from this. There are different people and personalities in the world. And if any of you wants me to read any other kind of person ever, um, considering whether you can actually write a comment in the app that you listen to podcasts with, if you want me to read for you any other type of person that is stated here in terms of a difficult personality, please write it down in the comment section and I will surely go through it with you guys and try and understand this kind of person. Of course, if you write it down, I will do more research instead of just reading the book cover to cover for you guys. I think it's an amazing read. I'll go through it longer and longer because I really want to have more sensible relationships, not just sensible, but also meaningful and relationships that I can easily pinpoint this kind of person and know how to deal with them in future. So yeah, check out the book. It's called High Maintenance Relationships, How to Handle Impossible People by Leah Perot III, PhD. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And when it comes to the reviews, just be before I finish the podcast episode, because I didn't even read the reviews. What was I thinking? I don't say the names again because I might just ruin the names. But this is Dr. Larry Crabb says, Leparo is one of the most practical writers I know. Practical sometimes means pat. For Dr. Perot, it means genuinely helpful. I agree. This book is genuinely helping us and helping me to be a better person in my relationships with people. The next one is Leparo is a relationship expert who makes eternal truths understandable and applicable. And then the third one is, in both his speaking and writing, Leparo has helped thousands build better relationships. This book is compelling, challenging, and fun. Yeah, so with that kind of review, I don't think I have an option but to read it. Even if it takes me weeks 
to go cover to cover and kind of pick points from this book. I'm going to keep it in hand and try and go through it to the best of my ability and try to be as practical as possible on how I read it. Yeah, so in case you're wondering why this podcast is called The With Me, it's because I am a solo host most of the time trying to just advise you guys and more so just trying to navigate my mind and how I think throughout this whole time period that I'll be doing the podcast. You know, just trying to be myself, trying to also just see where I am. And maybe in future when I come back, some of these things will definitely help me to be a better person and things that I actually believe in right now will show me where I've come from in the future. Because this is more so a kind of journal podcast for me, trying to just understand myself and trying to be a better person. Also, why I read book reviews and things like this is to help you guys see that there are resources out here in terms of things that you're struggling with, like relationships, like for example, this book, how to focus and how to say no, like the other book I read called The Power Focus, where I just reviewed a bit of it for you guys. I also think that it's very important for me to go through these things for myself because I actually need some of this advice today and in future when I'm listening to my podcast, I can be like, oh man, I messed up in this area, but this has reminded me that I can do this and this to be a better person. Yeah, that was a long outro. <laughs> That's a very long outro. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe depending on their platform you're using and leave a comment if possible. Also, you can like it. Yeah, I have many other episodes lined up. You can go ahead and listen to them and enjoy yourself. Guys, and before I forget, actually, it's a new month. It's November. Wow, months have been flying by just like... And we are towards the end of 2020. I hope you guys have an amazing month and more so an amazing week and day today. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just enjoy yourself and be kind to other people. I think I'm hungry right now. I need to go and have some breakfast because my stomach is beginning to complain. But I'm really happy that I got to do this first thing in the morning. It feels really fun to do this in the morning. It gives me a sense of purpose. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've ticked one thing of the day at least very early in the morning. And now I'm ready to go and do other things. That's it. And don't forget to do good. Anyway. So that's it for today. Thanks for coming this far. For more fun and unique topics, tune in next week on the With Me podcast with moi. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>